Welcome everybody to the Dope and Tape Show. This is episode 69, and you know we had to make this episode special. So we have Sean from NFPA. He's here. Uh, we're going to hang out here about some code. We have plenty of questions about uh, 241 and some other things. And then we want to hear his story, how he got to pretty much like what we view as like the pinnacle of this industry, like being employed by NFPA and being involved in all the all the studies that they're doing and all the projects. It's incredible. Uh, just so you know, it's a uh, it's free to come on the show. You just got to let me know. Say, hey, I want to come on and I want to tell my story. Or I got a friend that's pretty awesome. He has a great story send him or her our way and if you want to sponsor it we have two slots available on the show and you just uh get with us and we can set up some sponsoring and welcome sean man yeah welcome thanks for having Tape me show. thanks for Absolutely. having me thanks for joining us so so pretty much in this industry someone brings you in um was your was your story kind of the same like yeah i would say so yeah, because typically you do not get like, I'm just going to apply to be in fire protection. Like someone is always yeah. like, you should try this. You should come with me. You know, that's most people I know have. Most people I know have some connection. So I am a fire protection engineer. So it was a little bit of a process to get to where I am. But where I started, my dad was a volunteer firefighter when I was young. So I've kind of always been around firefighting kind of grew up in the firehouse a bit when i became 16 i joined the firehouse as a volunteer did that for a while always been kind of into the math and science and people are saying that i should get into engineering then kind of found out about fire protection engineering got really into that so i ended up going started off at university of new haven in connecticut for uh, fire protection engineering, but eventually transferred to Worcester Polytech in Massachusetts, okay. where I got my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and then started working at Tyco uh, Fire Protection Products prior to them getting uh, bought out by JCI right. after I graduated. And while I was at Tyco, I, I continued for my master's at Worcester Polytech for uh, fire protection engineering. And then Worked at Tyco Fire Protection for a while, did research and development for the mechanical side. So a lot of the couplings and valves and things like that. And then I worked in the special hazards group. So I did some water mist uh, projects for nozzle development, as well as some water supply for um, for those special hazards. So that was that was pretty fun. And then went into uh, be a fire protection consultant for a fire protection engineering firm outside of Massachusetts for a while. And then I knew some people at NFPA. They said that there, you know, there was an opening for fire protection in their tech services group. So that's kind of got my job there. And that's where I've been for the past uh, six years or so been working for NFPA. And it's, wow. it's awesome. That's incredible. Six years is a long time. I mean, yeah. That's... That's a long time. And uh, we were talking off air and you were like, man, I freaking love it here. I mean, that's that's awesome to hear, too. And it's... Uh, and going to the show, we went to Las Vegas and like everybody from NFPA was so happy to be there. Yeah. Like you could feel the passion in everybody. Great that's host. also Great like host. CNE is they we refer to it as like our Super Bowl. Like it's what we a lot of us work towards every year. Like one of my big responsibilities is putting together all the um the educational conference so all the ed sessions that's all i i run that process of going through and vetting all the 
presenters and stuff so like everybody's kind of got a hand in all the different parts and seeing it all come together is awesome and the, uh, the biggest thing yeah. is seeing all the stakeholders like seeing all of our members and everybody come together it's awesome it's a lot of work that is that's a good like point of reference so like that i would say that that was kind of like the super bowl for me and bobby like definitely we that excited to go it's a great way yeah. to describe like, it like man like like months before, like I think it wasn't even a month before. We, we knew we had, we had like two weeks to, two to weeks. prepare. It didn't <laughs> feel yeah, it didn't weeks. feel real, and all of a sudden we were there. No. We, were, we were we were working, but we were trying freaking to like experience out. it. Oh yeah, yeah, freaking out the whole time, and it was like we were at the Super Bowl. It was, yeah. You guys, you guys hosted a great great event. Wow. Did you guys it make was, it to it general great. session on Monday? Um, no, we came a day late. No, oh, yeah. okay. we were a day late. Um, you got to come to general session. That's always fun. Like the big, it's like the grand opening and it's, it's a, like a big energetic. No, next of... year we're going to be there for the whole thing. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to yeah, miss we a just, second. We're, it was, you know, two weeks before. So we had to figure yeah. out what work. I was and... on, I was actually on vacation yeah. in the cave with my family while we got invited. And uh, I'm, I'll never forget that. Like, did that just really happen? Like, Shout out to Arco. Really that was, yeah. Arco <clears throat> sent us there. They took care of everything and, and it was, I mean, it was humbling and blessed. It was a blessing. I mean, it's, I don't know if I can put words to it. The we Super really Bowl. appreciate that it opportunity. Yeah, it was the Super Bowl. It great. It's like your friends inviting you to the Super Bowl and you're like a huge fan <laughs> of the team that's playing. Yeah. That's how, that's how we felt, you know? <laughs> I see yeah. you got a Starlink behind you. Yeah. That's, um, it, that, that's like a Massachusetts, lo- like that started here, no? The, what, uh, the company the like just making the signal go directly to the fire department and knowing what's going on isn't that i don't know if it started in mass i think all of like almost all of our buildings are like that now pretty much so yeah, so Ma- it's like that massachusetts too. is one of like in new england you see a lot of the um public emergency alarm reporting systems which is like most people don't understand that like i could walk outside and go pull a pole station on my on my telephone pole like down the road that's a big New England thing. Like older, um, older cities and stuff have that that reporting system. And so Massachusetts, like if you have a fire alarm panel, goes to a master box, which essentially it's pulling that pull station. So, five G, you know, is kind of the new thing. And um, so Florida requires you to have so uh, Starlink has a a metal box. I think that's the plastic box. It's the standard. That's the metal one back then. It is it a metal? Okay, I can't yeah. really tell. But so the metal ones will have a battery backup. So all Florida's required to have a battery backup. Hmm. Uh, Atlanta is trying to get that way, but they're not there yet. Um, so I don't know if it's up there like that with Mass too. Now bring that up for the salespeople that are you know that are watching, and you got to know because there's a pretty good difference in pricing. Yeah, I, I think seventy two is also so the fire alarm code requires that pretty sure requires that battery backup as well that's a big thing too for ip like if someone's using an um like internet as well to have that battery backup mm-hmm. for all the ip stuff that is used right. to get that signal out which what's is up? something that people don't do what's up to everybody in the chat thanks for joining us don't forget to hit the like guys? button thanks for being here we got um sean from nfpa exciting for anyone who's just joining this is super exciting if you got any so, questions send them off we're gonna lately, get into it Bobby's been having all kind of trouble with 241 up in Boston. <laughs> I don't have to deal with it down here in Atlanta, thank goodness. But it's it is a drastic variable to 
to navigate. I mean, it's we're it's pushing huge. the cause. I want you to be dealing with it. I want everyone to be dealing with it. Like, so do I mean from NFPA from like a fire protection standpoint, I think everybody should be considering 241, even from an owner's perspective, from an insurance perspective, like protecting the asset as you're building it is extremely important, especially protecting the people building it. Something I agree. That's huge. But I mean, comes down when it comes down to doing something like he's on the install side and then I am building the contract to do it to the engineering and then the, the sales contract. And if I am going to sell something where I don't have to deal with 241 versus something yeah, versus like cheaper. I adapt it because I think it's the right thing. My, that proposal will be way up, way higher. And the, the yeah. guys are going to be like, I'm not paying for that. I'll go with this guy. I don't care. So just last, and that's kind of how it is. Unless it's mandated, no one's going to do it. What we're yeah, dealing I... with is, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go Bobby. go ahead, Bobby. Well, so what we're dealing, and I don't know if we we've been doing it wrong or what have you, but what what we typically would do is I'll be the first one in a space, and I'm pulling I'm pulling the first tile and I'm spinning the pendant upright, you know, to the deck, and the, the laborers follow right behind me or the demo guys and they rip the ceiling down, which requires us to take out the sprinklers and the smokes, because anytime you do a demo permit, they want to have the smokes um, taken out. And then if I'm spinning pendants uprights, I need to have the sprinkler down. And then in 241, it says we can't do that both at the same time. So then now we're thinking, so we have to hire a fire watch during that during that day or two process. It's kind of what yeah, we came big, from that plan. A big So a big part of 241 is writing a plan. So like all buildings are different. And one of the big things is is controlling all of the impairments, especially on like you're doing a lot more of like renovation work. So like you're in a part is the building partially occupied and you're like renovating portions. Yeah. So it gets even more complicated at that it's point where you want to make sure you're not stacking impairments and you're um, properly protecting them. That's, I mean, that's where it gets a bit confusing, but that's where the, the job of the fire fire prevention program manager. Uh, that usually, so they're usually like, ele they're usually just electing the super, like whoever's the super for Fine, that yeah. space. He's now, the fire the fpp the fppm ppm yeah fire and, prevention program manager. and it comes with a packet you know and like we're dealing with people like code red who are already in in there and they're um mm -hmm. they're helping us along and verifying that we're doing it right uh, i think that they they want to see if we're going to make a mistake and then they'll tell us before telling us before type deals what it is like seeing if we know but like i said we're kind of like I don't see anybody else doing it. So we're like learning it and learn, reading it and, and just trying to do it right. And then mm -hmm. like at the last minute, we're like, shit, we need a fire watch. Yeah. And I would assume what like code red's the one writing the plan. Yeah. Right? And they're making sure it's being followed. Yep. Yeah. Massachusetts is or Boston's one of the, one of the big cities we're seeing making that first move of the requirement of having that documenting who the, fire prevention program manager is and requiring that the fire, fire prevention program manager takes it's uh our uh, we developed a training that trains someone on like how to follow a fire prevention program and uh boston requires whoever the manager is to have that training so they yeah, at least understand what, they're doing. what they were finding was that someone would say oh this super is going to be the fppm and sometimes they didn't even know that they were the ones assigned and sometimes they weren't even on site so the big thing is having them on site and, you know, having that all documented. Right. I, th I think as we progress, whoever's whoever's fallen into this place now is being assigned as the FPPM in a year or two. They're going to be you know, going to be a great asset somewhere that needs help doing this. Yeah.
We're yeah, seeing a little sure. bit in New York. I get some guys in New York that will tell me that they're doing the same thing. And NFPA 241, man, we got to all do it. We're going to see yeah, it I mean, in Atlanta soon. The big thing we were talking <laughs> about before this was that 241 is referenced in a lot of building codes and fire codes, and it's just not enforced. That's so the correct. big thing we're seeing is not from like a regulatory standpoint that it needs to be put in place. It's that it needs to be enforced and a lot more people need to be aware that it's there. Maybe we should start putting uh, Wayne says the crane fire. I, as soon as I seen that crane on fire in New York, I was thinking we should have uh, in the 241 plan. We should be putting a sprinkler up there. There's been a lot of crane accidents lately. How could we get a valve up there? New I'll run York a valve up that up that Atlanta. crane tower. They usually have a special suppression system on those, anyways. So I think he just had sure. I think he just had an extinguisher up there, but yeah, run a nice little four inch standpipe up there with a valve every uh, every <laughs> every level if they want. Yeah. Have to get that put Ooh, on the two forty one, um, yeah. So I mean, I, if there's any, if there's anything that we could ever do to help push the two forty one, I just talk about it as much as I can. I feel like yeah. uh, I feel like I, I'm the only one that has to deal with it. I want others to have to deal with it too, and I want to see how they're dealing with it. Um, yeah, a lot of the guys in the chat saying that NFPA two forty one never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of her. <laughs> now that is something. Maybe Florencio. you can answer this for us. So let's say that. 241 needs to be adopted in other states. What is the process typically? Because like Atlanta does not enforce that at all. I like when I do my building plans or anything like that, I don't have to consider that. So what does that even look like? It would have to have some kind of push. Yeah. And that, I think the big, there was some big pushes in Boston from a couple significant fires that led to the death of a, of some firefighters which pushed the requirements for hot work permits, pushed and then started pushing the requirements for 241. It, but it was all already referenced in the building codes. It was just, I think it, the big thing I'm thinking of is like Cambridge. They were the ones were like, it's in there. We're going to start requiring these 241 plans. And that's where that big push was. And you saw like um, engineering groups like Code Red, you know, kind of lead that cause and write these plans. I was our engineering um the group that I work for, we did a lot of 241 plans as well. And it was from them saying, we're just going to start enforcing it. I mean, there's a lot of things referenced in building codes and fire codes that might not necessarily get enforced to the, to the degree that they're actually um, being referenced. So that's the thing that is, it's just all about education. So pretty much what you're saying is something has to happen. Are you I mean, I think, we're seeing a lot of construction site fires, so there's becoming a lot more awareness of it, at least on my end, that's what we're seeing. You're like one fire chief away from the whole city having to enforce 241. If you get yeah. like the right fire chief, like the top dog at the Atlanta Fire Department, and he just says, we're going to now enforce this, bam, that's it. No permit's going to get signed until it's until everybody's enforcing it. But it also Austin comes came... down to that comes down to education like you said i mean yeah. you would have to have someone come from a jurisdiction that has it like somewhere in boston for example I don't know. Like yeah, but we what, got a you got to learn it like we're learning Atlanta, it you got to learn it like we're learning it just i think the boston <laughs> the came from pigs. the mayor's the mayor too she like drilled that down onto bfd to to push harder on 241 after there was a couple of construction site fires so that's BFD's again it's like a legislative thing involved too. Too. Oh, they I mean, are. they're heavily involved with with fill ups and drain downs, and and Atlanta's for just a reference because I know is not 
like when I do any kind of um, construction work, like drain down, fill up, fire department's not, they're nowhere around. Yeah. Yeah. That's another requirement I'm seeing now too, Sean, is uh, they want a fire watch if you drain the zone, any zone. You drain any zone, they want a fire watch. Newton Wellesley, um, there, there's a couple towns around Boston that that's part of me shutting it down. It's just going to be a fireman on site before I can spin the valve. I mean, that's all in there in NFPA 25. I mean, you're impairing the system, so you've got to have some sort of plan in place. And Firewatch is one of those, or temporary fire protection. So that's the 25 requirement, as well as, depending on why you're doing that drain down, is a 241 requirement as well. Right. So again, it's all in there. It's like, it's to what degree is it being we, we gotta enforced? We got to enforce it all. Steve says it's all so about is money. It, is it, um, hey, Bobby, on a let's say a partially occupied or, or even a fully occupied uh, space and you're, you're doing an ad relocate at what point in the drain down and the fill up is BFD notified and involved? If I'm in a town where it needs a fire watch. Well, well let's just say, no, let's say you got to go into the hospital. You got to relocate six heads or four heads. At what point do you have to get them fully involved? Or is uh, it every time? Yeah, I mean, just for that permit, they'd have to be involved. And there's going to be a 241 plan in place for them to accept our permit. And there's going to be a building permit that's been accepted already for them to even look at it. Okay. So typically, like here in Atlanta, some jurisdictions, like I do not have to pull a permit for, let's say, eight or less heads. Oh, yeah, um, we have stip we have stipulations like that as well. So let's say you're not pulling a permit that six heads that you're at relocating uh do you get them involved or you knock it out but yeah we probably just knock it out but it yeah. depends okay. on how it's set so up if it's it, a permitted job the, that's what you're saying the ad relocate is still like is the ceiling going to be down if i'm ad relocating so i'm showing up to a fully gridded out because i'd have to now just be we fall 241 so i would be trying to get them with the extra to put uprights in if the mm. ceiling was down for a day there's been instances where I go in Friday after work and I spin the heads upright position so they could do work Saturday. I come in Sunday night, spin them exactly right back down so they put the grid back in. Wow. Just for like that one night of protection, those couple hours. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Great. And again, Crazy. that's not, it's not necessarily a 241 requirement that you spin the heads, right? It's a 241 requirement that you write a plan and the plan might be we're just always going to spin heads up every time we're taking the ceiling down, the plan could be that we put a fire watch out anytime we do that, right? That's all up to the the person writing that fire prevention program. And that's where a lot of those details come in place. So like oh, 241's not super, it's not like you're going to look in 241, it's going to say, you know, if you take the ceiling out, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. It's a process on who's like, how, how do we determine if this person's qualified to write this plan? And then what does the plan need to include? And then based on the building type, there's additional requirements. There's requirements for site security. If you're a, a wooden building, there's a, there's a whole chapter on large wood structures. Obviously, we see a lot of construction fires, but that. But how do we protect large wooden structures? Because while we're building it, we don't have gypsum up. We don't have that fire that passive fire protection. So we're relying more on that active. That's where you're seeing a lot of those big like the apartment complexes that burn up because they're all wood construction without any protection. A little bit of wind. Yep. So I did hear a little birdie told me that in the, the new updated 241 that on a big 
new construction job that's going up. They're going to have to have temp coverage throughout the floor, potentially, as the building moves up. It's, it's, um, I, I'm off the top of my head. It says like, you've got to have protection as, as reasonable, as quickly as possible or something like that. It doesn't give you a necessary time exactly when that has to happen, but it's saying that you need to establish protection as quickly as possible. And that is as the building gets built. I know like the standpipes required to be, to go up with the building. And it's kind of along the same lines for that sprinkler protection is, as we've got that first floor done, like we've got to have temporary protection and so forth. Yeah. That, I think that, that that's going to create a little bit of extra work for us. Cause we'll, and it's going to create us being able to go first, which is what we always want to do on a big job. We always want sprinklers yeah. to go first. Yeah. First in's best dressed. And there is requirements in there about temporary fire pumps and putting temporary fire pumps in place and all that. So there's, there's a lot more, um, a little bit more prescriptive requirements around, you know, the fire protection features and things like that. Like 241 that. for the 2022 edition was significantly reorganized. So it does look a little bit different than it did in the 2018 edition. That's good to know. I think that's going to stir up a little bit of work. All right. Do we have any, any more questions on 241? So we got other NFPAs we want to talk about. Let's see what the comments say. Um... Why the relaxation in head testing? Dry pendants scare the crap out of me in reliability. Is it a building owner push or is it felt the dry sprinklers are reliable enough to relax the standard? Are you talking about 25's relaxation? I think it's down to it's up to 15 years on the dry pendants. I yeah, think. Yeah, what are we talking? It went from 10 to 15, right? I think so. Yeah, and it that is all based on historical data from testing. So it was it was a lot shorter when, you know, they first came out and now it's, we've got a lot, a little more data on as these come in for testing, how well they're doing. They, they, a lot of the, the stuff in 25 is, is being based on empirical data from doing those tests. So they're seeing that they are more, they are reliable, you know? Oh, okay. That's a new product comes out. You can't just all of a sudden assume it's going to last for a long time. So we want to make sure, you know, they're, that they are reliable. So we made sure they're reliable and we're, we're uh, extending their life expectancy. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So we, um, what do you think, Bri? Lithium, you want to talk lithium yeah. a little bit or 420? Uh, yeah. So 420 is a new thing. I mean, like completely new thing, right? I love that you guys kept, I love that you guys made it 420. That's, uh, that's, that's, epic. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> It is so yeah. 420 is a new standard. Uh, um, let me pull it up real quick because I it came out what last last year, the year before. All these grow facilities all across the country, and they just like they're pumping in all their equipment, and they're not updating. You know, they didn't do anything fire protection wise. They just put all this equipment in there that uses all this power and has all this heat, and then tons of power. Right. The big, not... I mean, so the big thing with grow facilities that I hear a lot. And um, I know some people who have, you know, have worked with them from the from the fire protection side. And like the big thing with them is the extraction. Like I didn't like in the past. And I think extraction is a little bit different now, which is like actually pulling the THC from the plants. They were using like butane and propane and a lot of like flammable liquids. That's where a lot of the problems were coming from. Now the extraction's getting a little bit safer. I think they're using some different stuff, but yeah. And then the big, the big thing is power. Um, Lots of power. 
which is like different than you would see in like a typical indoor grow facility. Um, are they are they bringing in converters for um, anything higher than like one twenty or as far as voltage or? What do you mean to increase the voltage? Right. Are they are they increasing it to maintain that power or is it all like yeah, standard one twenty stuff? No, it's I think they're using a lot more like high voltage for that for the lighting. And oh stuff. wow, those places use so much power, bro. They do so much. I power. was. Where I was somewhere, I think I was like, I think I was driving through New Hampshire and I, I saw this giant building with this gigantic generator, like almost the size of the building. I'm like, what is this generator for? I'm like, this building's got to be pretty significant, right? And I drive by, it's a grow house. I'm like, of course, they've got a generator. <laughs> oh, Dude, they're sense. everywhere in mass now, too. It's crazy. It was the biggest generator I've ever seen. So, is it, in mass, is it legal? Yeah. It's decriminalized. Oh, really? It's uh, you know, you can go to the dispensary. Oh. People have medical cards. Do your thing, huh? That's wow. it. You can go like over the counter. But when you drive by one, it smells. Smells good. Stinks up the whole <laughs> yeah. neighborhood. Wherever they put one, it stinks up the whole neighborhood. But yeah, I know, like wow. a lot. So some on some of these hydro builds, they'll have like a shelving system where all their buckets of water and the plants sit up, and they're if it's over eighteen inches. Um, we got to put protection under it. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of these guys didn't know that when they were building these facilities. So they got these two foot spaces to have all their hoses and wires and whatnot. And then they got the buckets with the hydro on them. And then, so they have a void. So now they're having to put like this rack system in under all their hydro plants. It's a, uh, it's a big cost that some of these guys weren't anticipating. Wow. So I also want to talk to you about, so I just did a, See, how many sprinkler heads was it? I want to say it was 12. I was ad relocating 12 heads in a shopping center, a restaurant. It was one of my jobs. And it required me to recount the system. And it was going to be a huge thing. And they were bidding out the job. So I knew if I had to recalc it, then I would be I to get an engineer involved. And then it would just be expensive. And so what I did instead was use the V the Victolic VS2 flex heads because they're calced out to 5.6 K factor actually. And uh, that way I didn't even have to do that. I just, we just installed and ran with it and I got it because it was significantly less money to just go with the heads instead of paying an engineer eight hours. And, mm-hmm. and um, I wonder if you heard of this head or have you heard of that? I haven't heard of that exact head, but I'm curious. What is it? The Victolic? The Victolic VS2. I'm just curious what they, so what they probably did is with all of their K-factor testing is they did it. Yeah, they did the testing with the um, hose, with the flex hose. So it's just a direct replacement. After doing that, and I I had to, you know, I didn't have to calc the system. And it was so easy. I think I'm gonna do that a lot more. So what they do special with the hose that they? What are you seeing that they did special with the hose? I think if it's just attached to the head, so that it just creates the head at a 5.6 k factor. So you can't take yes. the head off. It's all one. It looks it's like all it's all one, one piece. Piece. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the the big thing too with k factor is it's not just. Like come like when I was doing sprinkler design, right? It's not just the size of the hole, right? There's so much that goes into the actual K factor. It's the, the shape and everything. 
and the the fitting that it gets attached to all that gets included in the k factor so it looks like they just added the hose in when they did all their testing so it's just all counts in there well that's pretty and cool. so if it's low if Innovation. your requirements is lower than a 5.6 which by the way 5.6 is pretty high you're you're good to go right wouldn't you say let's say standard. you're you're it's ready standard to, k factor yeah. Yeah, 5.6. Yeah, that's pretty standard. pretty standard. But I loved it, and I think uh, I wanted to mention it because I think a lot of people are just don't know about it, you know. And uh, I think it's great. Flex is the way. Innovation. Yeah. I'm kind of just starting to get to use a little. You bit You use flex. it all the time, right? No, just just, just recently, because the hospitals in Boston do not allow flex. None of them. You're not allowed to use flex. You're not allowed to use Schedule 10. You're not allowed to use um, couplings under two inch. It's got to all be threaded pipe. Uh, there's a bunch of stipulations that I'm following in the hospital. So when I go off the beaten path and I'm not in Boston and there's you know not as many rules and they want me to be right. faster, they get flex heads. So all right, that was a little curveball. Let's go back to 420. Um, I want to talk about uh, 420 and those. So I'm I am looking at it right now. So 420 is still technically proposed standard. They are working through their pre-first draft meetings. But I was trying to find in NFPA one, which is the fire code, that's where a lot of the grow house stuff. There is a chapter. I'm trying to find it. Because oh, like they because they so even with that immense power they got in there. I mean, if you so if you just have if it's an electrical fire. That, you know, and we're just going to put water on it. That even seems that even seems a little bit silly. If they, they got the a, same problems in electrical rooms and stuff. Yeah, still. you got a huge warehouse of just like 480 with a bunch of lights and, just, and then sprinkle some water on it. I wonder if there's a it'll be good to kill the power in case of like if the alarm goes off. Let's say it has a two indication, like a pre-action, like a, you got let's say you got a smoke and then you got a head like a uh, loss of air and then it kills power and sends water like a shunt trip right i think that'll be kind of the way to go because you don't want to keep feeding electricity into the room in case of an electrical fire is that in there that is so required, i'm looking or? there's um there there's a lot about um, so chapter 38 of NFPA one, I'm looking at the 2021 edition. There's a lot about ventilation and I, I'm remembering now, like, so they do pump a lot of CO2 into the space. Mm, so okay. you do have to cut power to the CO2 ventilation upon activation. If you have one of those systems. Oh, they put, so there CO2. is a shot. That makes trip. sense. It's like a, just a okay. big, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a special that's a special new thing that's just new. I mean, they started allowing it, and they literally just went up it's like everywhere. As soon yeah, as that, as soon as it went about legal. fumigation, about notifying the fire department when fumigation's being used, pesticides application. Damn, so that thing. So NFPA four twenty is thick. They got all kinds of stuff in there. So with four twenty, with NFPA fourteen. 20, does it require or does it have instructions or requirements on how to do the inspection or is it or is it strictly a a install and design like nfpa 13 so i have to look so again nfpa 420 is still proposed right now they're still working through the first 
through the pre-first draft meeting, which means they're working on a draft for the public to even comment on. Oh, so it's not even a standard yet. It's not necessarily a standard yet. I I got you. I had thought that it was a little bit further along, but no, it looks like their last meeting was July 10th and 11th of this year. So we got a couple couple questions in the chat. So Eric says in Indiana, they test their dry heads every 10 years. And so does Eric, Eric and Kenneth, Indiana, 10 years and in New York, 10 years. I think everywhere was 10 years and now you're allowed to go 15. I don't think it goes by state. It depends on which edition of 25 they're looking at. Oh, right. I guess it is depending on which edition of 25 you're on. So Tommy yeah. says, my next question is, why is paint or corrosion on a sprinkler now left for interpretation? They le- they've changed the wording to basically if it's detrimental to operation. Yeah, as soon as that came out, it scared pretty much everybody out here as in the field. That was in the most recent edition, right? That was 20. 20- That's correct. Yeah, that 22. was a, that was a change. Um, I don't know the exact, I can't really speak to exactly what the committee talked about, but I know that there's always been that discussion about like how much paint is too much paint, like is a tiny, tiny little speck too much. So I think they're, you know, leaving a little bit in there for interpretation. If you have a tiny speck of corrosion on there, it it might be acceptable, but someone's going to have to evaluate it as opposed to before. It when was it was a, like you could have had the tiniest speck of paint on that head, now it's got to go. Um, yeah. Leaving a little bit of room up for interpretation. Right, you got one as little speck on the yeah. on the arm. As an inspector, like I was less concerned about corrosion than I was with paint. I mean, if it was like terrible, of course I'd write it up. But if it was just like a little green, I would let it ride. Um, paint wise, if I, if it was on the arm or a little bit on the reflector. I would let it go, but anywhere near the bulb or anywhere near the seat, it it's an automatic go. deficiency for sure. Yeah. And then a lot of times, so guys, when you're doing the inspections, put your light on the seat. So when you go and put your flashlight on it, aim it at the seat, and that's where your eyes need to go first. So on a white head, you'll see the reflection. It'll be shiny. If if it was painted before and someone got a solvent and got the solvent off, it's not going to be as shiny. And then there's always that white line on the edge of the seat. And you'll see that white line if they, even if they got it like all of it good with a rag and a solvent. So just look at that seat, see if there's anything white. Just, you know, it's typically white if it's been painted. And you can quickly tell if it's been cleaned and it's actually a deficiency. Head. Have you ever tried to open a window that's been painted? Yeah. Exactly. So that's <laughs> one. So that's one of my. Uh, that's one of my phrases. You know, Tommy. When, uh, Tommy told me when an engineer's it. like, yeah. When an engineer's like, oh, it's just a little paint. You know, I was like, well, have you ever tried to open a a window that's been painted? He's like, well, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> so we got a, a question from California. I heard that seismic bracing will have its own code. Is this true? And when will we see it? I'd be seismic bracing everything in Massachusetts. So you. What you guys oh, it's not it's not just seismic bracing it's all hanging and bracing is going to be moving to its own standard oh so that's sick that's because 13 14 uh i think 20 20 and 22 might have a little bit in there and then you've got like water mist systems like there's so much hanging and bracing everywhere 
that I think that there was an effort last edition cycles of everything to try to bring everything in compliance. And they're like, why is it, why is hanging embracing vastly different for a sprinkler system than it would be for a standpipe X, Y, Z. So they are uh, putting together a committee and they're creating its own document. And then you'll see it come out of the other. Gotta be, it's gotta be titled like the standard of hanging and banging. <laughs> you can uh, su- you can suggest that if the, you'd the like ha- the handers the standards of hanging and banging. Um, that would be that would be excellent. So you guys don't brace in California? Did you like? I yeah. would think they get out earthquakes all the time. More than we have here. Have like well, we have we ever even had an earthquake in New England? I don't know, but you hear about them in California. We'd be putting a They've lot of bracing people. on the pipe up here. So it's going to be NFPA 200. NFPA 200, the standard of hanging and banging. Hanging and bracing of fire protection. <laughs> fire suppression. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer that? Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, let me see. Uh, so that being said, um, uh, public input closed. But yeah, they're in. They're going to have second draft meeting. I don't know. They haven't announced it yet. But f- public input has closed. Okay. On June first, we brace arm overs. I'd be bracing mains and everything, end of the lines, mains, corners, every forty feet, you name it. So something. Yeah. Uh, so AFSA um, requested that NFPA uh, explain more in depth about the in NFPA. They say for when you're joining threaded pipe, right? Use dope or use tape. Um, so they wanted y'all to explain that a little bit more in depth. Just the AFSA, AFSA guy came on the show and he put that in there. It was really cool. Josh what McDonald's. we would like to see and what we 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 uh, would think would be a great idea is if you put in the annex somewhere that it is dope and then tape. That is the superior <laughs> way. That is the way. And that's the only way that's allowed by NFPA. So if you can help us out, you know, just squeeze it in there somewhere. Aren't they doing like away? Aren't they going to do away with the annex? Isn't that another rumor that a birdie told me? No, no, not getting rid of the annex. Um, I, so I guess this is a good segue for another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, but I know that in thirteen, I I was just working on some thirteen D stuff, and I know there was some annex material talking about dope and tape, and it was saying one use one or the other because the pressure is too much. So I don't know. I can't speak exactly to all of those things in that um, in 13 about that. But I do want to note that NFPA standards, all of our documents are created by um, groups of volunteers on a technical committee. Right. So like NFPA, I'm one of person that I, do, I have zero say in what goes into codes and standards. Right. We're an ANSI accredited standards development organization. We have to follow a whole bunch of rules on how our standards process is followed. And it's an open-ended consensus document process. So there's technical committees that work on putting the documents together, but it's all based on input from the public. So if there is a change that you wanted made in a document, um, you could go in when NFPA 13 starts its next uh cycle which so the 2025 is going to be coming out next year they're in their second draft meeting i'm actually heading down there tomorrow you can submit a public input and you can tell them that they need to make a specific change and if you provide reasoning they have to provide you with a response and then 
um, you can submit again. They'll do it's a first draft and a second draft. You can submit comments on both of those and you can follow that through. There's a whole process that you could um, suggest changes and make sure that you uh, provide your input. So if you did want something like that being put in the annex, I'm not saying they're going to accept it or not, but it's not NFPA that's doing it. It's a technical committee and you can 100% um, submit that and we do encourage the public to submit what if we get like 10 10,000 people from instagram to also do it and then there's 10,000 emails saying we want dope and tape on all npt threads sure come I, on you can submit it you have got to have justification oh That's man we got, what an, the we got an army about. behind us yeah Let's the justification it, boys. is it doesn't leak doesn't leak kid and you're, and you're clean <laughs> you know i want to say the annex material that I was looking at was talking about like overpressuring the joint if you put both on there. But you can you can definitely crank it in way deep when you have both. If you just don't know your strength, you can just. But even with just dope, you can crank it till there's no. You can bury it. I can bury it with just tape. Just you just gotta know when it's at making. So you yeah. you get it until it's tight, and then you level it out. I mean, you don't have to. Area in the pipe. Bracing's required on arm overs when getting two heads off of one inch outlet here in Cali. You guys got weird little little weird rules out in Cali. Everything is weird in Cali. Dope and tape for life. So is there if you're able, if you're able to talk about it, is there any new projects that tape in the code is working go. on that's like really interesting to you? I mean, so I work in our technical services group. So I work as a resource to all technical um, things that happen throughout the association. I mean, one of the big things that we've been working on that's been out for the past few years is um, NFPA Link, which I think, Bobby, you might have brought up that you have access to NFPA Link through the union. Yeah, so I have it on my phone. I have... That's correct. So yeah, it's, he does. All of our codes and standards are available digitally. You can you can access them all for free, um, which is, that's another thing you go nfpa.org slash the document number, you can get free access to all codes and standards, but NFPA link provides you access to all of them in a, a, a much easier to, to um, look at format. You do a lot of searching. We add a bunch of enhanced content explaining a lot of the code requirements and there's different search features that you have where you can search different situations to look at code requirements as well. And that's something that we've been working on a lot. So that's, it's a really exciting project that I. Oh, you can search situations. I usually just search like a keyword of the code I'm trying to find. So if you do NFPA direct, you can go in there and say, you can click on a a picture of a fire pump and you can look at inspection, testing, maintenance requirements of the fire pump. You can look at installation requirements for the fire pump. And it kind of drills you down into where those requirements are located in the different standards. That's wicked. As far as putting in uh, situations, or if y'all looked at, adding in ai to that search engine um i mean it's i mean hasn't everybody looked at adding in ai into something um, <laughs> absolutely so yeah yeah i got a uh, um what was it like a a spam call today and it was a, it was a ai woman that sounded like i mean she was right there with the conversation with me it was incredible <laughs> i kept going i didn't hang up because i was like how far can we Just go press a couple this? buttons was, and see what she says dude, it was so good <laughs> beep, 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 beep. the spam calls yeah. are crazy they don't say anything to me anymore you just answer the phone it's just silent you give them a couple hellos and they hang up what's up with that Oh wow! Those nah, ones drive me nuts. I would, I would love, I, that's, I would love to have it, uh, the AI at least say something. That would be I, cool. Um, you know, to type in a situation, have 
AI just direct you right to it. I mean, the search feature in Link is something that I love because I could literally, I just did it, was like, I could search dope in literally every NFPA coder standard and see where it comes up. Boom. Which is is pretty cool. Or you can just narrow it down to a specific chapter or a specific um, section. I get like a lot of code questions in the DMs and that's like the, I just go to that first thing and I type in a keyword and bam, it just brings me right to where I want to be. I I love that. It's so much easier to navigate. I was testing for NFPA 25 level three and I, I have all kind of trouble with all these corrosion questions because in 25, it doesn't go in depth of what the corrosion looks like or what it's like or all that. But on the test, it'll ask you, you know, like, was it, which one is this one? If it has this characteristic and that characteristic, I'm like, I don't, I have no idea. So for me to go on there and be able to search that, and actually maybe see pictures and and read about it some more. And then that way I can go in, you know, more prepared. Yeah, I mean, the enhanced content in there, it does do a lot of explaining on that. And we're constantly adding enhanced content in there with examples, pictures, things like that. So that's certainly things that you would see in there. So I wanted, you brought up uh, MIST systems. So there's MIST system and then we went to... NFPA, and then we uh, did an interview with Ultrafog, which is a high-speed water system. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, and why don't we see more of it? So, yeah, so water mist is broken down into low pressure, intermediate pressure, and high pressure. So Ultrafog is high pressure. Um, I, I Off the top of my head, I think it's anything over... 10 bar is high pressure, which is like, what is that? 150 PSI or something. Intermediate is like 100 to 150 PSI. And then anything under that is low pressure water mist. Um, You don't see it a lot in the US, but it is pretty significantly used outside the US. The thing is with water mist is you don't need as much volume, but you need a lot more pressure. And like in the U.S., we have pretty robust water supplies, so we don't worry as much about how much volume of water that we need. But outside the U.S., they don't have in in a lot of countries don't have as you know significant water supplies as we do. So they a lot of their water has to get stored on site. So the advantage of water New Zealand with less water. I like that explanation. I'm gonna remember that now. I didn't know that. That was great. We did an interview with a guy in new zealand and they did they added tanks and pumps to every system yeah scotland was it scotland scotland jim yeah from discovery fire wow we gotta get him back on here i got you yeah he had a great accent he was one of like our first episodes i think he was yeah maybe in the single digits but yeah they have a like a standalone pump house at every facility uh, with yeah. a big with a big tank that'll run. Uh, he was throwing out the bar. He kept on saying five bar and. Uh, yeah, they use they use the uh, metric. I had Google. We had Google open. We were trying to see bar. <laughs> we but, were all googling. <laughs> um, I think I think the woman's name that we talked to was Michaela or Ma- Ma- yeah, Ma- yeah. She said yeah, it was fifteen hundred psi coming out of her system. Fifteen to seven. Yeah, they get they get pretty high, and I I might be off on the high pressure. It might be higher than that. That's it like a. Be- how do you that's crazy that's crazy pressure um, yeah but it's it's such low flow yeah that's I so you're talking like sometimes it builds pressure in the head right less than a gallon a minute 
they can be pretty low. I, I mean, don't don't yeah. quote me on no, it. No, no, I know, but that's not that much water that's that you're talking. And that's why they're using them on boats. Yeah, big and marine and big and special hazards. So they are used in the U.S. I was talking with someone who does uh, water mist for Marioff, and like I didn't realize that they use it a lot for transformer protection here. Like I think like the seaport has a bunch of them um, protecting their transformers. Like in their enclosures, it's literally like a high pressure uh, air cylinder water and then the, the nozzles in there doing the protection. And she said, and as far as inspecting them, you have this tool and you can check and see if the nozzles, if those tiny holes are clear or not. Cause I was, I was really concerned about how you would test that. Yeah. Cause I mean, those holes in the heads were tiny, tiny, so yeah. tiny. You would think on a boat though, like you have, Ample water. You just like well, seawater. You don't want to pump that through your pipes, though. You don't want salt water in. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So would you say on a boat they have it's kind of like a tanker truck, like they have onboard fire water? Yeah. Huh. And the the big okay. thing too with water mist, like even if you look at NFPA twenty five, there's a chapter on water mist, and there's a lot in there right. about water quality testing. Because that's pretty significant with water mist systems is making sure that water quality is good and it's not going to clog up the nozzles because the nozzles are required to have strainers on them. Oh, wow. What do you say? It's okay. Yeah, that's correct. And, and I remember reading about it. Um, and you have to check the strainers ever so often and then yep. or change them. And then especially if they were outside. Yeah. Is there an they, NFPA a lot app? Of them will... Go ahead. Is there an NFPA app? Yeah. Uh, There's an app, yeah, right? there is. There's an app, Paul. For what? Well, NFPA Link has an app, um, which will take you to NFPA Link. It's basically a... We'll take you... Because NFPA Link is web-based, so it'll be a link oh, that takes you to the web-based Oh, app. I got you. Yeah, Paul says... An but NFPA you can use it offline. Cool. You can download standards and use them offline. Oh, yeah. NFPA. That's that's wicked cool. I try not to. I try not to travel if there's no Wi-Fi. I try. To yeah. st- I try to stay where the where the Wi-Fi is at. You know. <laughs> so will you be at AFSA? We're going. I will not be. I was trying to think. Uh, oh, Bobby man. asked me before. I there will be. We will be there. I'm pretty sure we'll have a booth. I yeah, just you got, that's what I was. Thinking. You guys got to have a presence. We'd love to do uh, a chat with you know whomever's going down there. Yeah, go by and if if someone if. Go by the NFPA booth and tell them that I sent them sent you. And well, we're gonna do that now yeah. for sure. So, how did you? Um, so I think I, I say it like every episode. I'm sure everybody watching is getting tired of it. But <laughs> we started uh, Dope and Tape to create a movement um, to create a community for fire protection. Tell them, dog. Felt like it was it was non-existent to be honest with you. So, and then you just started your Instagram, right? And, um, how did you, did you, when did you hear about us or how did that kind of come up? I heard about, well, so I heard about you when you were on the fire sprinkler podcast. So when Bobby was on there and then I think I saw you guys at C&E and then I looked it up and that's where I, I found out about y'all. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish we seen you there. I wish we seen you. We we definitely would have talked. There's a few yeah. people that said they seen us and then they didn't it, come say hi. Like we were, we're was, we were we're walking around looking for someone to talk to us. When you see us just walking, that's all we want to do is looking talk for someone to, to talk to us. Just talk just to us. Want to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah, Chris is uh Chris is a good friend of us. He's been very supportive. 
yeah i did we did a couple episodes at cne uh brian o'connor and i did a few episodes with chris which oh okay yeah we were uh we kept seeing we kept on bumping into chris uh we did an episode with chris there we did a little five five ten minute thing with chris with his uh with his tripod he's got the he's got a way better way better camera setup than my iphone but we're making it work baby i mean you know we're just trying to figure it as we go um and did just do the best we can you know that's it. I think this is awesome. I love your guys' format. Like it's very laid back, just like having a conversation. Appreciate I, I, it. Yeah, and we have we have, you know, I would say like high end guests like you, and then we also have, you know, we got my like father our, was on here. We, we got our boy Nick Teague too. You know, you we can got, never you can never forget about Nick Teague. Oh yeah, you gotta go back and watch the Teague. Go back, episode. go back and watch the Teague episode. Gosh, I was I was like YouTube and that whole I'm like, I went uh, back <laughs> After we posted, I went back and watched. It. I was dying laughing oh, the I whole know. time. I was like in a panic yeah. on Google. Like, can we drink? Can we drink beer on YouTube? And it's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> One of our first episodes. Nick pulls drunk, out his vape. He's, he's like, like, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> awesome. we, yeah, we were. Uh, you know, there's not much of a vetting process. <laughs> no. Do you want to come on? All right, come on. And well, and then sometimes you know they come on, and it's like, oh well, this is gonna be a ride. You know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> But yeah, we want to, we're here, like, you know, we want to give the fitters, you know, the people that are hanging the pipe and yeah. making the codes and designing the systems and, you know, even firemen. We're still really looking for like a, we need like a fireman to be the face of dope and tape and get on here and get the conversation going. This is a place where anybody can come and share their story. We're talking about the enforcement of 241 and it's really, it starts at the firemen. I mean, that's really where it has to start, right? Yeah, I mean, it, start, it It all depends on the jurisdiction. But yeah, a lot of it falls down onto the fire code, which is usually enforced by the fire department. And the fire prevention. A lot of have. times, so I'm friends with a lot of fire marshals, not really fire fires uh, here, but like they're scared to come on. Like, I don't know. Like, they're like, I don't want to say nothing that I shouldn't say and this and this. Yeah. And so they just, I don't blame like, them. The, brass, the brass is like, nope. Nope. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> we'll get one. Yeah, but, but it's really just the conversation. I, we, there's a big conversation about how to respond to a fire protection emergency, too. Like, I'd like to get it drilled into every fireman, firefighter, fire lady's brain. Like, open the drain, too. Just open the drain, yeah, too. Please. please. Like, Way less water. Sh shutting it off is great, but, like, just... Just open the just a drain there. Open the drain like nine nine out of ten times they don't open the drain. So wherever the break is, the water just continually all mm. drains into wherever the break was, which is usually like in the lowest apartment in the worst spot or whatever. But <clears throat> so what you're saying when they respond to a non-fire situation, if they respond to a to a broken pipe or you know usually yeah. a freeze. Like I've followed them around um, in the great freeze of that we just had. You know. Yeah. And uh, it looked like it was still on. I went and I seen that they shut it off, but it was a three-story, and the break was on the first floor, and so the it was one entire system that was just draining into this uh, these ladies' kitchen at like one in the morning. Could have prevented yeah. a lot of water, water, but you know, in the heat of the moment when the whole city's frozen, I understand too. They just want to keep getting to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Right. <clears throat> it was that's rough a, that night. Yeah, that's a big thing we've been talking about about how to include in C and E a bit too, and like more of our educational content for like fire departments on like what to do when responding to a fire in a building that has a sprinkler system. Like what, what, how can you utilize that to help you in, in putting out the fire? And then like, how do you use the fire alarm control panel? And like, 
how to use that to help identify where the fire is. So there's we've been talking about I want to push to have a couple sessions like that at CNE next year going over those types of things. Oh, I'd love to sit through that. Yeah, I mean, because I, yeah. I know a lot of us know if you're reporting to something like you got to go to the fire alarm panel, it's going to tell you what floor it's on or which stairwell it's flowing from or whatever. But a new fireman might not know that, you know. Yeah. And there's cases of fire departments showing up, thinking the fire's out, turning the sprinkler system off and then the fire rekindles or them shutting off the fire pump and then not being able to get it back up if they need it. So, you know, just more education. We do have, there is a standard or is it, I think it might be a recommended practice NFPA 13 E, which is responding to a, a fire in a building with a sprinkler system and like what you need to do to operate that system. Grab so a hose and head up boys. Grab a hose and head up. There's valves. Yeah, the just fire, getting more education on the that. The fire so. department breaks the front door, checks for fire, and shuts every valve they find. <laughs> All of them. It's like that's <laughs> it. You know that breaks it down pretty good. And they just shut the. <clears throat> I can remember turning. I'm like opening the domestic back up. I'm like, you guys want your plumbing back on, or you want to just leave that one off too? Looks like it's up to pressure. We'll just open that back up for you, so you guys can flush the toilets. Yeah. And it's uh, on the flip side. It's a part of. Like when I sell contracts for inspections or to do service or anything like that, I offer like free class for the engineers. And a lot of them don't really know. Like they have an idea and they think they know, but they don't really know the procedure, proper procedure that they should follow with the enunciator, the fire alarm panel, the pump, the different valves. And then also on top of all that, liability on themselves of shutting something prematurely. Yeah, yeah we have a we have a good amount of training out there and certifications for like facility managers on like how these systems work, what are some different things to look for. Cause some of the, you know, some of these inspections, especially like if you have unsealed valves that need to be inspected weekly to make sure that they're in the right position, like sometimes the building and the building engineers can be doing that. So we do have certifications and trainings on those types of systems and how to make sure everything's working properly or how to identify a qualified person to come in and do the work. Like how do you educate yourself en enough to know that you're going to hire the right person to do the work? That's true. Oof, That's man. a good one. Yeah. NFPA 120 is my field of work. Any thoughts? What is NFPA 120? Is that tunnel? I'd have, I'd have to. Oh, he's that it, the mining. Yeah. It, it's got mining. It's got to be because it's Paul. Mining is crazy. That's something that I want to know more of. But you cannot bring any cell phones down there, or cameras, or video cameras. Oh, but Daryl was saying the you. Gatsby's aesthetic resist. Daryl was saying you could bring like an old school wind up camera down there. Oh, okay. Um, With the button flash. What do you think about that, Paul? You bring an old school wind up camera down there, <laughs> take some selfies for us, and get them developed and shoot them my way, and I'll. NFPA 120, standard for fire prevention and control in coal mines. Yeah. What is the size piping usually going down there? Like a four-inch main? Oh, it's got to be coming from the surface. So you got to be having like immense pressure if you're going way down. I mean, it's going down there, yeah. Are you well, you the also water from down there. They're talking about a pump. we got to have you on, Paul. Didn't we schedule Paul? Oh, yeah, we got Paul coming on on the 17th. That's right. We're yeah. going to talk all That'd about it with Paul. Here. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a good coal mine episode with Paul on uh, August seventeenth. All right, all right, Paul. What's the best What's the best hard hat headlamp? What, what are y'all <laughs> using down there? Or is there lights down there all the way? 
Yeah, well, who was telling us like the lights went out and you're just supposed to stay still? I was talking to somebody about you this. Stay if, the, still? if the lights go out down there, you're not allowed to move. You have to just stay still. That's the rule. I bet there's what? so much what? stuff that it's pitch black. You can't yeah. see your hand. Whoa. You're like four hundred feet down or something like that. Yeah, but oh, can you have a headlamp? Yeah, you gotta have a special mm. headlamp that's got like a metal box around it. Everything nothing can make a spark. No no batteries or right. something like that. The battery has to have protection. Oh. I think Daryl was hitting me with all these facts. That's why, like, all the, the pictures of the mining people, they have that giant metal, like, headlamp. Yeah. It's got to last all day, right? I mean, you got to be able to... It's got to be a lamp that can last all day. You got to yeah, get eight man. hours out of them. Got to get eight hours out of the boys. Yeah, so that's pretty cool that NFPA is um, located right in Quincy, like the main... Right in Quincy, Mass. Did you know that, Bry? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so NFPA so you, has I... four office buildings in uh, one Battery March Park in Quincy, like right on the Braintree line, right by the the, the Braintree Mall. Is that? I'm gonna come visit. Sure. It's not like it's literally office buildings. So oh. we do have like an old hand pumper in the uh, in the atrium. Is there like a big sign on the front that says NFPA? Yep. Yeah, that's what I would come for. I want to take a selfie with that thing. Yeah. Well, let me know when you're there. I can always meet you. I can give you a little tour, but it's not super exciting. It's mostly office space. Okay. I might come by if I have a if I have the day calls for it. It does sound exciting still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all bring me up. We'll do a whole dope and tape video of it. Let's go. Tour. This is the break room. Well, whenever you go to New York and you're gonna you're gonna come over uh you're gonna come over to Massachusetts and we'll we'll go out to Quincy. Oh, that'll be something. Yeah, I can't wait to tell my wife. Hey, by the way, <laughs> by the way, about our we're gonna vacation go... short. We're gonna go tour some office space. <laughs> we're going four, <laughs> we're going four right. hours east. Get in, buckle up. <laughs> oh, there's you can go see Plymouth Rock. You could see the Mayflower. You can go on the Freedom yeah. Trail. There's a whole bunch you could do. Take the fast cat out to the islands. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, dude. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, this, this was uh, this if was. If you're ever in the area, let me know. I'll I'll show you guys around that'll be awesome we could do a video kind of like mtv uh style, <laughs> MTV you know style Sean, yeah sean can he can open the doors like oh come on in come on in come check show, out my crib show us the fridge <laughs> yeah show us the fridge <laughs> what you got in we there are, yeah we are consolidating because i i was telling bobby before like since covid i mean so i'm working in my basement right now um we're dispersed now so we go into the office once a quarter or so um, half of our team is not even located in New England. We've got two people in Michigan, someone in Tennessee, someone in Maryland. So we are fairly dispersed. So we are, we used to only occupy two floors of one building, and now we're moving up to just one floor of one building. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you guys are like, you're remote. Yeah. For the most part. NFPA. Well, it's, uh, well I mean, is... that's kind of like how. The industry and like, well, not really the industry, but everywhere is kind of going remote. Yeah. I'm fully remote. And still no. just as efficient. Yeah. I'd argue I'm more efficient at home than I would be in the office. More oh, efficient. Every time I go to the office, I get nothing done. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's asking me questions. He's shooting look, the shit. Look, 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 for the people who work with me, I love all the questions. <laughs> and I'm always there to help. But people ask me questions and what would you do here? What about this? What about this? And then then there's people that want to talk and this is like, I can't get anything done. But yeah. here when I'm at home, so I'll spend 
my like before 12 or one o'clock i'm out doing my meetings and stuff like that then i'll go to a coffee shop work till three four o'clock and then i'll come home Yeah, you love them coffee shops. i do yeah because people are working around me and they're working and i'm like all right i gotta work you know if i'm home i can be like you know maybe i can make me on a sandwich And, you know, So you aren't as efficient as you are at, at home, then, is what you're trying saying right now. Well, at home, at the coffee home shop, there's not a he's there's efficient nothing at the going coffee on shop. around me. Right. You know what Yeah. I mean? I need I need some movement. I need some some energy at a coffee shop. People are moving. People A little are working. chaos. A little chaos. Right, a little Yeah. chaos, and I'm I'm in. I got my Bose headphones. I'm I'm zoned in. I get so much done, Boom. and I'm caffeinated, so that's good too. All firefighters know how to do is wash the truck and prep for the calendar. No. No, no. Be nice to the firemen. They also make All really right. awesome They RC tracks inside the bay, too. They run into buildings that are on fire. All right. That is uh that's something stellar that a lot of us don't do. But they do clean the trucks as well. The trucks look I always like to videotape the truck when they go by. No lights I'm sorry. down there, Paul? I don't understand. No lights. Parrots and sprinklers don't mix. I can't wait for this Paul episode with about the, about the caves, the cold Yeah, caves. wow. Something that we've never even experienced. I mean, they don't even have them. This is uh so Do this you been, it's is been there a pretty one? surreal episode to where we started this little thing in uh, December and now we got uh, Sean from NFPA on the show. Yeah, that's wild. We could appreciate it, man. I still can't believe Now. it. I mean, what sixty nine episodes ago we were episode one. I was sitting on my couch. like are you live i don't know if we're live but Are we live? how do you want to do this thing I think we're live. you know I think it says we're live. Hey guys, got like two hey people watching well us. if you're watching this <laughs> now here we are talking to you, and <laughs> uh, you know this this is great. This is uh, this is pretty cool. now and the it's episodes are getting better too we're able me and bobby work are working better together and they're kind of flowing you know a little better we're getting the hang of it yeah so awesome I think we'll just appreciate keep going. you coming on I do like the Zoom thing, though. I mean, it's really the best thing we can do, just this kind of this format. You know, it doesn't look as like super professional, but I mean, Bobby's in Boston and Atlanta, and then our guests are everywhere around the world. So, it's there man we're having a chat and everybody gets to see it yeah, live I think streaming we're going to ride it to the with world this for a while. appreciate everyone that's always watching and commenting and See how many likes you guys did. Six likes. I see that there's uh, like 20 of you in here, but there's only six likes. What's up with that? Let's hit the like Yeah. button a few times. If Brian can point Like I to said, the top I like of the us, screen, man. put, give us a little point to the top right there. Right You get here, your right here. you get your merch right there if you wanted to get this hat or you know, any of our Dope shirts and tape. or whatever. I seen someone had a sticker, a dope and tape sticker. The thing is like eight inches b b wide. I didn't even realize we had one that was that big. I'm like, where Oh, did that's you get awesome. where did you get that? He's like, on your website, bro. I'm like, oh, cool. This this has been a really popular color. Like Chris from the Fire Sprinkler Podcast, his wife got this color. Uh, Chad Tesser got it. I got me and my I think wife that's this what color. sold it. I mean, Is I kind of is like it. is Chris Chris sent that he got it and sent us the picture and we we put it up on the Facebook and everyone wanted that one. Yeah. That worked out well. Shout out to Chris Logan at the Fire Sprinkler Podcast. He just got a new setup. I can't wait to see some of his new videos. Yeah, that looks official. He's got like a full mixing board It and looks sick. I yeah. was I commented on the mixing board too. Bro, that looks complicated. I mean, you know, we're doing it here with it. <laughs> Uh... <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see I what got he a does. mic I got off of Amazon for thirty dollars, you know, so, yeah. You're but doing it's cool. you're doing good over there, Bri. Two screens, kid. Come on.
have came a long way. You didn't do much. Tape, you didn't I, do I much googling my, today. No, I didn't. I I've actually bought my first laptop for dope and tape. Because before I was just and he learned how to use it too. Trust me. Yeah, I had to learn how to use the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I, we, we can wrap this up. Hour and ten yeah. minutes. It seems Thank like that's so like the new norm. A little over an hour. Mm-hmm. Appreciate everybody. There's a couple likes. Thank you for hitting that like button. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all your comments. Um, appreciate you guys. Coming on Thursday. Thursday, we got uh. Thursday was supposed to be Kenko, but we moved him up because uh, I forget I forget who backed out. Thursday's open. Who wants to come on Thursday? Maybe we should move Paul up. Paul, you want to come on Thursday? Paul, come on Thursday, man. Let's get this going. We're moving you the up, hype Paul. Is up. Moving you up. You're getting the uh, the next available slot with your uh, with your mind stories. Paul's gonna be Better there. Better be ready. Paul submitted our first shout out on YouTube. I didn't even know how to share the thing. Paul yeah, goes on awesome. YouTube. No, I shared it on. Hey, yeah, Paul. But... Just so you know, I shared it on on LinkedIn. I did I share it under mine or dope and tape. I shared it. On, I mean, well, I screenshot it. The only way I could figure out how to share it was to screen record it, and I put it on TikTok. I shared the link. So I did the link. Oh, the link. All right. I wanted to share that video. Thank you. That's that was so cool. That was cool. Um, I was you, on vacation YouTube and then short. I was around my family, and we were just hanging out around the living room. And I was like, "Look, everybody, look, James, <laughs> look at this. This is so cool." We got a YouTube Thanks, Paul, show man. Out. We really appreciate it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate all you guys uh, repping the logo. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, thank you again, Sean, for coming on. Thank yeah, you so much for having me. We're uh, we're gonna have you on again. Yeah, for sure. We're going to stir up some more questions. And, uh, yeah, this is fun talking standards. I like talking the standards and getting the stuff out there. Like, especially the, the three that we talked about, 855, 420, and 241, which are, you know, new and not really being talked about much. Yeah. Maybe definitely. once 420 drops or gets uh, is official, we'll, we'll chat again. How far out is that? Uh, if it hasn't even made the first draft yet, you're still looking at three years Oh, so. damn. All right. Well, we're going to have you on before that. <clears throat> we can talk about yeah. anything else. I can, can awesome. talk about it. All right. Well, talk we're going to. All day. Yeah. <laughs> all day. Fire protection all day. All right. Thank you, everybody. I think that's uh that's it. That was a good show. We'll be back Thursday with Paul. Uh, Paul hasn't confirmed, but we're going to just confirm it. 